Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my incredible co-host with me, Gina Warfel. She is recording from Costa Rica right now. She's living there right now. And we have Dr. Bianca DiGiulio, and she is a doctor of Chinese medicine. She's been doing this for 15 years. Today, we're going to be talking about integrative cancer care. And she owns two clinics in California. One of them is called the Wellness Principle. One of their programs is the Insight to Cancer Care, and they just do integrative cancer care in her practice. And so I'm going to have her kind of intro herself. And what she's done with her husband is remarkable. And so I want you guys to hear her story and how they kind of got into this. So Dr. Bianca, kind of take it away. Tell us about you and how you got into integrative cancer care. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, my first experience acupuncture specifically in Chinese medicine was actually when I was going on and I told her my story and my friend died and I just didn't want to eat. And she was peeling and handed me a slice of the pear and I was suddenly hungry. You know, it was already working. Wow. Magic. And she's literally peeling. I thought you meant that like as like a metaphor, healing a pair as she's doing a consult with you. That's so magical. That's yes, so it was. And I felt like that was when the healing already started without really wow. knowing it. And she just paused and she looked at me and said, your friend isn't here anymore, but he is always with you. You are still here and you need to eat. Wow. <laughs> and so I laid down, wow. she gave me acupuncture and I walked out the door and I really felt like a veil had lifted. I felt wow. lighter. I felt hungry. And little did I know that first treatment really planted the seed for what I would end up doing. Wow. That's amazing. What can we just like pause for a second and just like, what an amazing practitioner to I hold know. space and to like drop in and know exactly what she needed to do with you. That yeah. is the magic of really good clinicians right there. You know what I mean? So how it has that memory is embedded in my heart and my mind. And I really feel like that was also unknowingly one of my first teachers through this experience with her. And I saw her many times after that through college. And, you know, every time I left, I felt different. And I kept thinking, what is she doing? Why do yeah. I feel better after I get yeah. all of these needles put in me? You know, it's such <laughs> a weird thing. That's it's beautiful so that she didn't like clinical, like, mm -hmm. oh no, you're dealing with all these things. We have to figure it out and diagnose you. It's like she yes. mothered you. She was just like, took you in yes. and like mothered you. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, and, it was, and, it was beautiful. And like, it wasn't a cerebral thing. She didn't like, she didn't use her brain to fix you. She like actually came from her heart. Right. I, I love how we're just podcasting about like this experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was really well, and the thing that I've learned since then, well, one, we know food is medicine. So that comes into play, but also in Chinese medicine, Asian pears, treat conditions of the lungs and the lungs in Chinese medicine hold grief. That's amazing. So I, I reflect back on that so oh, often God. in practice. So cool. Yeah. And I want to keep hearing the story, but like how insane grief is to the body, like these emotions, I think people, we, we disconnect from our emotions and then our bodies get sick. And then we're like, what's wrong with you body. And we try to cerebrally fix these bodies. And it's like, no, 
there's unfelt emotion here that you're not processing. Yeah. Your body's trying to hold on to it for you, but you have to face it. I literally just this morning was thinking like me and Gina, Gina, I haven't even spoken to you about this, but we need to do a course on how people can connect with their bodies and their emotions and like move mm. through it, right? Because before they can do any other healing work from the neck down, they actually have to like get out of their minds and drop into their bodies, you know, and actually feel their heart and feel their body. And so what a beautiful practice of your healing journey, right? Like what a great it was there. Mm-hmm. So, so keep telling us, how does this story keep unfolding? And how does it unfold? So from that point just became incredibly curious. And so I started reading about energy medicine, Donna Eden, Bruce Lipton, who I know both of you follow and, and, um, and study and love and Carolyn Mace, anatomy of the spirit. Yes. So all of these teachers in this, you know, this was 20 over 20 years ago now, were all these messages. And I was really curious as to how the mind, the body and the spirit were linked. I still followed the path of traditional college. I went to UC Berkeley. I studied social welfare. But alongside that experience, I became a massage therapist. I studied Reiki. I was always seeking, you know, more information around those lines. So the path it took me on was quite different. When I graduated from Berkeley, I did become a social worker. And unknowingly, that experience in itself created foundation for me to work with the patients and clients I see now, because it allows me to hold space, to navigate care, to look at different resources that an individual needs, because it's all very personal. Your healing journey is extremely unique, and that needs to be recognized So the two really blended together, you know, the experience in social work, then also my curiosity about acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And so eventually a good friend of mine, when I was applying to graduate schools in social work, had said, you know, you really love acupuncture. Why don't you just look at what that graduate school entails? And I did. And that that was it. That was it. I went straight away. (laughs) So how did you get into the integrative cancer care circle? How did that is because that takes a lot of um, heart and soul plug into that world. Yeah, I think it's something very few of us are called to and that calling can be can come from very different places, whether personal or professional. And mine was more the latter. I didn't have, you know, fortunately, a personal experience at that time that that led me to say, I need to know more about cancer. But I finished Chinese medicine school, which are four-year programs. They're very much integrative. We had physicians from ERs and primary care doctors. And then we also had Chinese medicine doctors from all over Asia and, and the U.S., And I finished the program and started working in an office who with with a woman who since had become my mentor and great friend. And she was seeing a lot of cancer patients. And as I was working with her, I realized, you know, I don't know that much about treating cancer. I don't really know what I'm doing in school. They don't touch on it. In fact, what they tell you is you can't treat cancer. Don't don't do it. If someone has nausea, you can treat nausea. Uh, leave it at that. And so there's a little bit of fear instilled in a newer practitioner around how to work with a cancer patient. But I took that as a great challenge. And I was sitting with these patients and thought, if I'm going to have a conversation and help 
optimize their health, I need to know more about this disease. And, and so I dove in, kept seeing a lot of cancer patients. I went back to school to get my doctorate in Chinese medicine Mm-hmm. And my entire dissertation and research and internships were at cancer hospitals with physicians That's of East cool. and West backgrounds. That's really cool. Wow. What does integrative mean? Integrative is, a, I think, a beautiful blend of multiple principles, approaches, and therapeutics. It's not as uh, black and white as East versus West. It is how we're bringing those two philosophies and practices together in order to optimize health and wellness. One is not better than the other. It, it is not mutually exclusive. So in my practice, especially in cancer care, I'm bringing in all of that Western oncology information. I'm looking at labs. I'm looking at scans. We're looking at blood work. I'm seeing where there's tumor progression. And then I'm also translating that into Chinese medicine principles and theories is there an emotional component that I see? Is I there something? Yeah. It's like, so, you know, cause doctors, mainstream doctors, they'll just see cancer progression, but are you seeing location of tran- cancer progression? And you're saying that's tied to this meridian that's tied to this emotion. That's t- so that's how you're interpreting it. I, I do interpret it that way. Absolutely. Um, and I think that we know there is no way we can say this is what caused your cancer without a doubt, unless a long history of smoking, perhaps you can correlate to a lung cancer diagnosis. Otherwise, the presentation of a malignancy, you, you can't say this is the source. And that's a lot of the conversation I have with patients initially who are saying it was probably because I used to eat sugar all the time. Or I shouldn't have been so stressed for so many years and I haven't been addressing my stress. Um, How do you address that when people, yeah, yeah, when people feel that, that guilt for, oh, I ate sugar for so many years or what they might be feeling? I immediately diffuse that theory (laughs) as quickly as I can because the guilt, the shame, the wonder is not serving a healing purpose. Can you, can you share with us what you share with those clients? Because there's probably a lot of people listening right now that have cancer that have had those thoughts. Like, oh, I stress myself to cancer. Like, and we don't want them to mm-hmm. believe that, right? Like if there's anything that you should feel during a cancer diagnosis is just so much grace and like self-compassion. And so what, how, how would you diffuse a conversation or a thought pattern like that? Yeah, well, I have a great story, an example of this from, from a dear patient of mine. And she came into my office having had a recurrence of ovarian cancer. And so I started working with her at that second recurrence. She came in, you know, with this thick, I call it the cancer binder, you know, these big, big folders with all the information. And I, I love seeing that. I do, because that means they're involved. They're trying to stay engaged in their diagnosis, their treatment, their seeking. But she came in and we had worked together, you know, maybe six or eight sessions. She was going through active chemotherapy, but her doctor had identified that there was more metastasis. And she started crying and said, I know that my cancer came back because I had chocolate cake at my daughter's birthday. And it was a pivotal moment in my practice. I immediately said, 
I think that it's more important you focus on the joy of your daughter's birthday mm-hmm. and that you enjoyed that chocolate cake than what is happening right now. Can I can I share something around that too? I I remember towards the end of my late husband's life, I like the one thing I wished for him more than anything was that he would stop being afraid of food, right? <laughs> because he interpreted everything in his world as a threat to his life, food especially, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember like as I was going through death kind of just brings up your own processes and your own healing, right? You either try to heal through this or it overcomes you. And I remember thinking like, it's not about the food, it's about the experience, right? Like the stress around not eating perfectly can be more toxic than eating chocolate cake, right? Absolutely. That sabotage of like, I didn't do good enough. Mm-hmm. It's way more toxic. Like those thought processes create chemical changes in your brain and ch- chemical changes in your brain changes your chemistry in your body, Absolutely. right? And so you could eat that chocolate cake and have this endorphin rush and have like an anti-inflammatory response in your body. You know, people are probably like, what? This is sacrilege, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you can eat that chocolate cake and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm killing myself. And your body's like, yep, you are. Yep. And that creates mm-hmm. that. So sorry, I'm, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Two of my really closest, like best people in my life, my partner, Ryan, and my best friend, Elia, they both eat like crap. Like they don't <laughs> eat well. And they are so happy and they are so healthy and it like makes me angry. And like we went out for breakfast the other morning and they both bought donuts for breakfast and coffee. And I was about dying inside and they're just like laughing and they're just so happy. And I'm just like, you know, and I'm like, I've seen your blood work. But like, but part of me is like, they're onto something. They're right. Onto something. My mom's boyfriend is the same way. My mom's boyfriend is the exact same way. He's, I think he's like 65 and he loves sweets. He loves fried chicken, mm-hmm. but he takes supplements and he's really happy. And he says mm-hmm. supplements, intermittent fasting. Not that I'm recommending this to anybody. Right, right. He's like, he eats donuts and sugar and he's just really mm-hmm. happy. And he does nothing like triggers him. Nothing lets mm-hmm. him. I mean, he gets upset sometimes, but like in general, he's just really happy. And he does his blood work religiously, like mm-hmm. quarterly deep blood work. Right. Always yeah, I know. There's yep. something we'll, we'll say to our patients in clinic is that you've got to feed the soul. You have to and, feed the soul. Yes. You know, at the core that. of Chinese medicine is balance, is moderation. Mm-hmm. Everything in moderation, including moderation. So there's a lot there's in moderation, including moderation. That's so good. So there's going back to your question, if that conversation surfaces and someone is guilting themselves or shaming themselves around their food, then there's, I convert, I switch the conversation into what are you doing? Well, what is feeling good? And let's focus on how we can optimize your healing at this point. And yes, a lot of times there are, we see nutritional kind of red flags everywhere, but you cannot overwhelm someone who is already overwhelmed and feeling disempowered by cancer diagnosis by saying, eliminate dairy, eliminate sugar, no more gluten, intermittent fasting. Yeah. If you hand them 15 things to do that we know does help healing, then it's only going to create that stress, that inflammatory response, that cortisol spikes, insulin becomes involved in that cascade. And that is not helping in any capacity for their cancer healing. I highly recommend if you haven't heard the podcast where I interviewed Gina, 
my co-host here, listen to it because she talks about this where she had to like heal her relationship with her body and then her hormones changed. Right. And so it's not that she was eating any better. It's just that her mindset shifted mindset. So, you know, like mindset, mindset's everything. I always say medicine, it mindset medicine. Like really, if you are not, your brain's the control center, right? Mm-hmm. And if your control center is just off, it's off, then the rest of the body is off, right? And so you have to kind of, you know, yes, food is very important, but so is your mindset around food, your relationship with the food, how your brain interprets that food. So yeah, mindset is really important. So is nutrition, obviously. Yes. You know, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to poo-poo that. Like right, I am right. such, I'm so hardcore about nutrition, but, but your experience around healing is so important. And so when you, people get a cancer diagnosis, they make these changes from fear, the energy mm-hmm. of fear. And what if we could change that into like, not fear? What if mm-hmm. we could change that as like, oh, this is a calling I'm called to change and I can change in a very gentle way that honors myself and honors my energy. And it actually can be fun and enjoyable. Now, fun and cancer actually don't go in the same sentence. So people are probably like, that's being really disrespectful, but I've lived the other route where it's like cancer was very traumatic. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I, I don't know. My heart just wants people that are on this road right now, just to like take a step back and be like, how can we soften this blow for you? You know, can we have you on this path that's actually really gentle and honors where you're at? And like, mm-hmm. can you prioritize fun? Can you prioritize joy? Can you prioritize connection? Can you prioritize every single moment that you have on this on this planet for people that have cancer and people that don't have cancer? Right. Because Absolutely. we all have we all have a time like, like we all have a clock above our head. Right. We're yes. all going to die. Yeah. Right? So like, can you have a cancer diagnosis and still eke out every delicious moment in this life and not have fear tainted for you? Right. Still right. make changes right. to heal, but do it in a way that honors you and your energy and doesn't rob you of your joy. Yes. And I think that can take some time when someone has faced a cancer diagnosis there. And and when I'm seeing these patients after an initial diagnosis, there is absolute overwhelm. There's absolute sense of disempowerment. There's overwhelm of information from oncologists. And of course, the rabbit hole of Google and cancer and your neighbor and your aunt and everyone is telling you, eat this, do this, call this person. And so I like to start with a, a full history. Let's look at, of course, what's happening with the disease, but let's look at how are we going to empower you through this situation and what are we going to do to support this process. So you don't feel fear. You don't feel like there isn't anything you can do and that this happened to you. And now you just have to go to chemo, go to radiation. Right. So when people walk through your door and you do like your initial intake, what are some of the biggest recommendations as far as integrative side goes? And yeah, what is like, let's say we have a hundred people diagnosed with cancer. What are like the five (laughs) things that you would recommend for them as far as treatments, food, lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, this is a great question. And of course, there's going to be a myriad of combinations that I would recommend. And that's because in Chinese medicine, everything is individualized. So a cancer diagnosis itself at the root of it for say lung cancer, there's six different differential diagnoses that we can attribute to the present presentation of that cancer. Mm-hmm. Those 
specific diagnostics indicate what I'm going to recommend to them down to food, fluids, exercise, because I'm looking at their overall vitality. Now, the common thread among all of these different diagnoses is definitely nutrition, Definitely looking at herbs, herbal medicine is very central to my practice. Mm -hmm. Exercise, mind-body therapeutics. Are they they meditating? Do they have guided imagery? Are they doing any form of restorative still healing? And also definitely like certain aspects of supplements. What can we bring into your system based on what we're seeing in labs that might be deficient? Is there a protein deficiency already here? I see a lot of different diets. And so there's certainly so many variations, but Chinese medicine, nutritional therapy is, is a bit different from Western nutrition. Mm-hmm. Sounds like, yeah. So we don't look necessarily at what food does what in the body. We look at the energetics of each food, the mm-hmm. temperature, the taste, where it goes in the body and what function it has in the body. So an example just briefly would be oranges. People know it's chock full of vitamin C. So if you're sick, people have orange juice. It's the kind of the first thing I tell people not to have because it causes too much cold, too much damp. It creates a little bit more phlegm production. Mm-hmm. If you notice, if you have an orange, it gets a little vis- viscous. Yeah. So it's actually not always in alignment with how you know, we would understand things from a Western lens. Hey everybody, Resist Nutrition Bars has fast and fiercely become a favorite product of mine and here's why. We all know blood sugar dysregulation impacts your body in a lot of negative ways, but Resist Bars have clinically proven to stabilize your blood sugar response because they are specifically formulated with plant-based proteins and other functional ingredients like cinnamon, maca, chia, goji, and turmeric. Basically, it's a powerhouse snack food. Drew, one of the founders of Resist, has PCOS and insulin resistance, and so she teamed up with her co-founder, Emily, who has a master's in food science. And let me tell you, they succeeded in producing the first ever protein bar for hormone and blood sugar regulation. If I were to make a snack bar, it would be like this. This product and company are the total package, and I truly can't rave enough about them. I highly endorse Resist Nutrition. And if you go to resistnutrition.com, use the code GETSY to get 20% off your first order. Give them a try. You're sure to love them just as much as I do. This is probably going to be such a dumb question, and I apologize, but like, what are some of the best foods that people can eat? when they're trying to heal from something like cancer? Mm -hmm. One of the staples I often recommend is congee. If you're familiar, it's a white rice porridge. Um, It's a staple in Asia. It's part of what we call kitchen medicine. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially the ratio is about eight cups water to one cup rice. Wow. And it's slow cooked. So it's actually more soupy. It changes the carbohydrates in the rice. So it isn't about a lot of people have concern if they have white rice, they're getting sugar uptake. 
through that conversion, but that actually changes the chemistry through its long cooking process. And so at the core of wellness in Chinese medicine is proper digestion, which is great because we all agree on this, Mm -hmm. but how we optimize that digestion happens through warm cooked meals and warm fruit, warm vegetables, warm protein. So we're, we have a a funny saying that ice is for dead people. So we don't like anything cold, raw. I kind of shiver when someone says they have a cold protein drink every morning uh, (laughs) because it's, it looks good on paper, you know? Yes. Yes. All that great (laughs) vegetable and, and fruit, but um, I literally like every time people say like, I have a protein shake for breakfast and I'm like, and (laughs) yes and that's it like that's all you're having (laughs) yeah yeah and for us it's it's a cold bomb it's going to inhibit that absorption the metabolism of food and fluids and from a chinese perspective that's where the beginning of our chi develops that's how we're getting our energy which converts to blood to yin to yang so if you're cold bombing that regularly, it's going to inhibit healing. Essentially. So cold food inhibits like digestion and absorption in Chinese medicine. Chinese yes. Medicine. That's so interesting. So warmer, like, okay. yeah. So kanji is, you know, a warm rice porridge. Mm-hmm. It can be savory. It can be sweet. So I'll encourage people to add bone broth or collagen or, mushrooms. I recommend across the board and certainly cancer care, definitely chock full of dark leafy greens. But if someone also has a little bit of a sweet craving, which sweet in Chinese medicine, we say tonifies, it strengthens. It's a little chi tonic like honey. You can do a little bit of honey and cinnamon and a little bit of ghee. And so you can have something Mm. a little more satiating. Yeah, I think um, this is so fascinating. Like I can, I can imagine if you have cancer, this being so overwhelming because there are so many different philosophies. And I would imagine that even the different philosophies get good outcomes, but it's so interesting when I think years ago, I had learned about the Gerson therapy, which is all cold juicing. And I think that's about all that you get is cold juicing all day long. And so this is actually the, opposite, warm, not raw, not cold. So that I'm just, I find it really fascinating. It's so interesting. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the real beauties of the therapeutics of Chinese medicine is that it is so highly individualized Mm. that what I would recommend for you, Gina, I wouldn't recommend for another individual who doesn't have cancer, but is, is looking to do have have a different sort of approach to their That's so their diet and lifestyle. That is so interesting because again, in the cancer circles, they're like no grains, no sugar, and here you're saying rice, honey, and so I, <laughs> everything I in moderation. It. You know, I want exactly. that balanced with enough protein through the day, especially going through treatment exactly. and vegetables and bone broth is definitely top of the list. Mm-hmm. I want, I want people to, I encourage people to go to the farmer's markets and get, go to the, we have an amazing mushroom grower. And so we stock up on lion's mane, maitake, wow. shiitake. Did you watch the, 
Sorry to mean to interrupt. Yes. Did you I know watch Fantastic Fun Guy? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. If okay. you guys have not seen Fantastic Fun Guy, I was so blown okay. away. I never thought about how the way he described that mushrooms have these immune properties that we don't have. So when we eat them, they train our immune system. I yeah. was just like, wow. Yeah. Yes. So cool. Like, yes. Guys, go on Netflix, watch Fantastic Fungi. It's going to blow your mind. Yes. Yes. They are powerful medicine allies. Absolutely. Turkey tail, top of list, specifically for breast cancer. It's definitely, turkey tail isn't as edible. So that's more of a, um, you know, medicinal dose versus a nutritional dose, but. So someone with cancer comes into your practice, you do like a consult on them, you recommend nutritional uh, lifestyle changes. What type of therapies do you highly recommend for people that have cancer when it comes Mm -hmm. to traditional Chinese medicine? Yeah. So what has slowly developed over the last 15 years is this approach I have, which is the six-week formula, and it's part of our Insight Cancer Care program. And what I do is take small amounts of information, including therapeutics, and every week we talk about one subject and how we're going to integrate that into their cancer plan. And top of the list, of course, is acupuncture. What I do is really a precision oncology approach with acupuncture. So looking at how we're going to use specific acupuncture points in combination with chemotherapy and radiation. And we're going to time it according to when they're getting an infusion, pre-op, post-op, because acupuncture points have very specific functions. And the synergy among those points is where the medicine is. Wow. So what's the, what is the goal with that? Is it that they feel better? They leave and they're feeling how you felt where you're like, oh, I feel lighter, euphoric. (laughs) Is it that you're actually adding to the treatment of the cancer? Mm -hmm. What are you doing with it? Yeah, all of the above. So I'm certainly not going to ignore any acute symptoms and discomforts they're having. So we're looking at what what do we need to do to, to ensure you have more comfort? So if they are nauseous, I'm obviously going to address that through appropriate points. So there's acute side effect care. Then there's also what is underlying this presentation right now? What is the strength of their mind, their body, their spirit? And we're going to use points and approaches to help support that and balance that part of their care. Because If you don't have any energy, then I could put in 15,000 points and you are still not going to feel better. In fact, you'll feel worse. So sometimes less is more. Mm, So there's some finessing. Absolutely. And then there's also a component of having an anti-cancer approach. So there are certain areas and regions of the body that mirror where someone has a pancreatic tumor, there's points on the lower leg, I'm going to needle um, to influence the healing of that region of the body. How far along would you say that we are with this? Is it that are there studies that support this or is it that you're getting good results in your patient care is so great that you're like the science isn't up to speed yet, but we're on our way there? Is the medical community embracing this? Where are we at with this? <laughs> I think there is definitely very encouraged that there's more progression towards integrative care. 
acupuncture is really the gateway toward that. If you do a search in PubMed, for example, acupuncture and put in any sort of cancer-related term, there are thousands of studies across the world. Whether or not they are meeting the rigorous scientific standards of Western Mm -hmm. AMA and how science and medicine here identifies, you know, evidence-based practices, then no, it's probably not up to snuff. But alongside that, you know, Chinese medicine is 5,000 years old. So we have an extensive amount of empirical research indicating, obviously, it's helping to change the terrain of the body. I think it's important for people to know that just because there are not the well done established studies on it doesn't mean that it takes away the credibility from it, that it takes so much money to do a good study. And somebody has to say, I'm going to pay for this study on acupuncture for a long amount of time. And that sometimes the actual published studies have not yet caught up to what's really happening in our bodies. And we see that a lot with food and supplements and therapies. Yeah. When it comes to like mainstream medicine, like big pharma's got tons of money to right. research that. But yeah. who's going to fork up millions of dollars to research acupuncture and whatnot? Like there's yeah. we, we well, especially in the past episodes. Like there's just you have to kind of follow the money trail when it comes to research. Like I was just gonna say so good. Yeah. But like that it's like there's such a financial incentive these days that it's just we we just have to be mindful, right? And just be like, there's more than what we see. Yeah. And the same thing is true. We look at herbal medicine. So you can't patent a plant. You have to create a synthetic compound that mimics the actions of said botanical. And so big pharmas, of course, they're they're getting closer to pulling in these these versions of what pure botanicals can do in an anti-cancer approach and creating medicine. Mm -hmm. But acupuncture definitely can't be created in terms of big profit. And so the research is limited. It's also limited because acupuncture is so customized. So you could create a six point protocol and do a double blind placebo study. And yet how your body responds to it versus mine is going to skew the results. It's the finessing of the practitioner knowing you. And just like you said, I'm seeing like what an art it is. It really is. Yeah. It's an art and a science. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Um, So again, this is going to be kind of like a broad answer question, like question and broad answer, but like as far as herbals go, I know like from my side of things, what I've researched is berberine is really amazing for cancer. Are there things that you're like every, you know, like we were talking about mushrooms and you're like turkey tail for breast cancer. And I know lion's mane is great and all that. Yeah. yeah. What, what, as far as herbs go, should people be looking for or looking at or researching or that you recommend? Right. So I come from Chinese herbal medicine background and the pharmacopoeia is extensive. And when we formulate prescriptions, we're putting together multiple herbs because there is a synergy among them. It's like getting the whole plant, the whole uh, combination of these great polyphenols and derivatives that create the medicine. And so in my pharmacy, when I'm creating a formula for someone who's going through chemotherapy, I'm putting together herbs that all come from the Chinese medicine 
background, but top of list astragalus comes up a lot, which is called Huang Qi, which increases white blood cells. It tonifies the immune system. There's incredible compelling research on its anti-cancer properties. We also use Dan Shen, which is an herb that helps to, during radiation, to help synthesize the radio the potentiates the radioactive component of a treatment. So it helps to break down that fibrin barrier along the outside of a cell in order for the radiation to better access. Penetrate, yeah. yeah, and penetrate. And definitely cordyceps, which is another mushroom. We use quite a bit to also strengthen the immune system. It's cardioprotective. So I'll put that in a lot of formulations. If someone is taking Herceptin for breast cancer, for example, or if there's radiation to the chest, breast, even throat, thyroid, because it does have a beautiful protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very, very cool. So it sounds like like no matter what, someone just needs to work with a practitioner. Like everything needs to be catered because their body is so unique and so individual. Can you tell us a little bit more about your clinic and your guys's programs? Is this something people can do? People have to work with you in person. Can they work with you guys online? So our Insight Cancer Care program is virtual, but it's all. We also have two clinic locations for people in the Bay Area. But I do work with patients across the country and. We have our six-week formula, which is the program that provides subject matter week by week. So from acupuncture to herbs to appropriate exercise, uh, nutrition. And so we're able to tell them why they're doing it, how it's going to work, how it's going to benefit them and bite-sized pieces. So there's an absorption, it's integrated It's not as overwhelming. I used to give people this 50 page packet after a consult and then like here, (laughs) let me know if you have questions. And they were, it was obvious that it was like, Like, I can't, this isn't going to, so I I reformulated my formula. Mm-hmm. So the six-week formula is available definitely to work with individuals who are not in this area. And I'm the lead practitioner. My partner is my husband and Chinese in our doctoral program. And he is the co-author of our book on integrative oncology. So he's cool. he's also working with patients with cancer. Yeah. Very cool. So is this a course that they do live with you or they can just start it at any time and it's like pre-recorded? No, this is something that is live. It's something we schedule sessions every week, ideally same day, same time. So we establish continuity, cumulative care, and it's uh, very personalized. It's as close to concierge care as I can. So I've mm-hmm. taken calls on a Saturday night when someone oh. becomes neutropenic and wondering if they need to go to the hospital. God, I've done house calls if I can. Yeah. That is amazing. And so um, what a great like program that you have for people anywhere. You know, If they don't have access to you in the Bay Area, they can still work with you guys and Absolutely. get access to your information and your knowledge. Can you tell people more about like what that looks like? So you said it's six weeks. They can sign up at any time. Well, like, what would they be going through? Like, yeah, the, the step-by-step. Exercise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always start with a call. Let's 
and better understand each other. What is your diagnosis? What is their priority? I think that mindset comes into it. Are they looking for a quick fix? Is it something they're looking to do as an alternative therapy versus integrative? So we go into what their goals are. And if we're a good fit, you know, am I going to meet your needs in in the way that you would like Sort of that social worker piece? And then we will enroll them in the program and start with a full health history and intaketation labs. I'll request more labs if there's something I think is missing from a functional medicine approach. Then we schedule weekly sessions that include acupuncture, moxibustion, a heat therapy we use in clinic. And every week we'll, we'll move forward at build in terms of starting with Chinese medicine therapeutics. And then we go into the supplements and herbal medicine because everyone, I think the number one question is, what can I take? Tell me what to take. <laughs> and that's a bigger conversation. So I go through that very carefully. I'm less is more. I don't want people taking 80 pills a day. I just right. can't get behind that. And then we talk about exercise. You know, are you an avid runner and still trying to run through chemo. Let's adjust how much exercise is appropriate for where you are right now. It doesn't mean this is a lifelong recommendation, but we want to make sure you're going through treatment as strong as possible without any delay in chemo, without any neutropenia. So if that means adjusting exercise, diet, sleep, stress, then we're going to start talking about my body medicine. Then we go into Qigong, which is one of the forms of energy movement in Chinese medicine as well. Ideally, as they move through it, they're starting to incorporate routines and an understanding of how they feel more empowered, engaged, and they're learning. I think as you learn more, you start to become more grounded. And I think that shifts how your body responds to illness. Right. Again, going back to mindset, that mindset practice. Right. And can you share some examples of people who have worked with you guys that have had cancer diagnoses and um, maybe some success stories or like, what do people normally remark on when they are utilizing integrative cancer care? Mm -hmm. So when I've had the opportunity to start working with someone, the onset of their diagnosis, that's when we have a real window of opportunity to start strong, to really look at everything and incorporate healthy changes. The clients that have had these great successful outcomes have taken into their lives, our recommendations. And there, there's a certain degree of compliance where they're committed to coming into acupuncture every week. They're taking the herbs as prescribed. They're doing healthy exercise. Maybe they've scaled back or added in at the end of, or through, I should say, chemo, surgery, radiation, hormone therapy, They've reported to me at the end, one particular patient the other day had said, I don't know how I could have done this without all of these recommendations, without 
going through acupuncture every week, it has really been the catalyst to my survival. And it wasn't just physical. I got the sense that she was also saying, this really kept me sane. This really kept me centered. And that to me is as important as, of course, creating an environment where malignancy is not present. But she was just, I think, very peaceful. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. Dr. Bianca, how can people find more information about your clinics and what you guys do? Yes. So our website is insightcancercare.com. The six-week formula is highlighted there. If they'd like to schedule a discovery call, I'm happy to talk with anyone. I I love talking about Chinese medicine. I don't think it's talked about nearly enough. It's not as well understood. So I appreciate the time and the invitation to come on. From there, I just would love to have people sign up for our newsletter. We have a great insight primer series. It's five emails that touches on each of these topics of Chinese medicine pillars and precepts and how they can begin taking a little bit of action. Some recommendations. Very cool. And before we close out this episode, what piece of advice or wisdom would you want to give to listeners that have been listening to this episode? Yes, I really advocate and encourage everyone to have a wellness plan. And I think we're in the West, so conditioned to the the linear approach of Western medicine, which is to come in when you're sick. I think that it's really important if with any diagnosis, whether cancer or other, certainly respond to, certainly hear that Western diagnosis, know that there's a disease plan, but what's the wellness plan? Who are you going to bring onto your team? What are you going to do to ensure that you're addressing whatever is occurring in a, in a natural, holistic, safe manner. I think that really pivots how one is going to heal and get through their condition. I love that. It's like, there's a disease plan to deal with the disease, but what are you doing to take care of the rest of your body in the meantime? Yes. Like, are you doing to like add energy into the, the gas tank, right? Like you have to, you have my to. good friend always says you have to identify where the hole in the bucket is, mm-hmm. you know, and how are you going to fill it? I think that's possible. I think that healing is possible. The body has an incredible innate ability to heal. Really I've seen does. it before. I think it's really profound. And I think that's the beauty of Chinese medicine. It really has evolved over centuries alongside yeah. Western medical advancements. What's really beautiful is, yes, we have these powerful tools like chemotherapy and radiation to help people, but there are other powerful tools to just help the body keep healing itself faster. So it's like you get knocked down over and over and over with each infusion or each radiation Mm -hmm. session, right? But like your body's ability to bounce back is what's so important. And so creating plans like this to help your body bounce back, bounce back, bounce back. Like it can be done. There's really intelligent people like yourself. There's really amazing tools out there that can really, really help. I just want to kind of share, uh, we had a client who was doing chemo chemo and radiation. She had finished radiation, I think, but like she was doing hyperbaric. She did the 40 sessions of hyperbaric and her sleep was better. Her recovery from chemotherapy was better. Her side effects were less, you know, like her quality of life was back. The fact that she was just sleeping well again, 80% of your healing happens when you're sleeping. Like there are, that can be done to lessen the blow of these really potent therapies. You don't have to embark on a cancer journey and do these really intense treatments and feel 
terrible through it. You can have hard, if you incorporate the right therapies and tools and Mm -hmm. create your own team, if you decide to work with Dr. Bianca and her team, you know, to bring them on and help you cater to your needs, you can feel human throughout this. I think that's a big part of it is people just don't feel human as they're going through this. Like they feel like their life is taken away from them before they actually die. But it's just like, no quality. Let's maintain that quality. Let's maintain your power. And so thank you so much for everything that you shared today and bringing. Oh, thank you so much. Educating them on just another tool that they can add to their toolkit. So yes, listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast. 